You're listening to the ESPN New York Tonight podcast with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. This is ESPN New York Tonight. Here's Larry Hardesty. On the heels of the always entertaining and informative Alan Hahn show, we take the baton and run with it. We call it ESPN New York Tonight. One eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. That is the number to join our Monday conversation here on ninety eight seven ESPN. Along with Joel and Nikki, yes, it's the NJ combination tonight. We're here to chat with you about things going on in the world of sports. Three hundred million dollars to pitch. I got to start talking to my grandson. Loosen up that left arm. Papa could be chilling. Three hundred million. Wow. Yankee fans, you got to be concerned. 1-800-919-3776. So I'm listening to Alan Hahn, as I always do. He's a great listen, especially when you're driving in. And he was talking about Sam Darnold and how Sam Darnold looked yesterday. And nobody will quarrel with the idea that he wasn't great. 20 of 36, 270 yards, two touchdowns a pick, was sacked once. Even on the Michael K show today, he... uh he indicated that he was not happy with the way he played. There were some passes that he would like to have back. So you understand that. And he did a nice job. And he does. The one thing you like about him is you know he goes in the room and he starts working and trying to correct the mistakes he's had. But I don't know. I, I kind of feel like I have to grade him on a curve. And when I say that, I mean that when I hear the head coach, who is also the offensive coordinator calling the plays, when I hear him say, you know, I kind of messed him up. I, I gave him some plays that were really put him in a bad position. Then with me not knowing whether he has the option to, you know, audible out of those plays, if he just wants to, you know, agree with the coach and throw the football, yeah, he missed some. There's no question. That's on him. But the type of play that was called put them in a bad position on first and second down, and then made the third down questionable. In some cases, unmanageable because it made them one-dimensional in the sense of if it's third and 12, very likely we're not running the football on third and 12. <laughs> Got it? So now we can Miami can pin their ears back, rush the passer, drop or drop eight in coverage and rush three. They've got options because then the defense dictates to you what you can do with the coverage that we're giving you. And we're going to give you people in front. We're not going to give you people to go over our heads. We're going to give you people in front. So I understand what Sam Darnold is saying. And while I I don't think Adam Gase deserves to be fired in his first year, he does not. But I have to tell you, I'm not enamored by some of the play calling that he's had. And, and, and here's the thing. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I know the playbook from cover to cover, it's just logic. It's what my eye tells me. It's like last week against Cincinnati, who had trouble running the football, defending the run, you didn't run. This week, Bilal Power runs 19 times alone, and you could see the difference in the offense. You could see the balance. It allowed for Sam Darnold to do more play action. So you'd like to see more of that going forward. You'd like to see him roll out. You'd like to see that 
because he's comfortable doing those things. Things that he's comfortable doing, that's what you want him to do more of. And you want him to develop and give him more plays, more weapons in his toolbox so that he can accentuate what he does great. So I can't wait to see what he's going to do Thursday night. Because, ladies and gentlemen, they're facing the hottest football team in the National Football League, this side of the San Francisco 49ers. And that is the Baltimore Ravens and Lamar Jackson. It's going to be a chore for this Jet defense. It's not going to be easy. There's no question about it. And the best thing for the Jets to do to help the defense would be to have some offense. Because that would keep Lamar Jackson and that offense off the field. So we'll talk about the Jets. Your thoughts at 1-800-919-3776. We'll talk more about them playing Baltimore as you go further in the week. Monday Night Football. Danny who? Danny Dimes what? Eli Big Money? 17-3. Giants. Saquon Barkley looks like a little different running back tonight. Obviously, he's healthier than he's been, of course, because he's playing. Now he's as healthy as he's been. But I believe that Eli gives him a little more options. And how about Eli with some big some big plays down the field? Darius Slayton looks good. He really does. He's, he's definitely a keeper. And Han is right. When you have a bad season, you learn about a lot of things. In this Jets season, you know what the Jets have learned? They've got some depth in the secondary that next season they're going to be able to be very effective when they go into some nickel and dime packages because they've got experienced guys who can who can at least do well in those type of coverage situations. So that's that's a positive. So we'll keep an eye on this uh, Philly game for you as uh, the Giants are looking to end that losing streak. 1-800-919-3776. Also, Islanders continue to roll. They play well tonight. They are the saving grace of the wintertime <laughs> right now. They really are. I'm just saying. They're the saving grace of the winter. Here, they continue to roll. A big win tonight. Dominant. Rangers playing well also with the young kids starting to put some wins together. And then there's the New York Knicks. <sighs> And what are they going to do now? What will they do? Oh, what will they do? Are they going to get rid of the front office? Well, maybe not yet. Are they going to wait and see what Mike Miller's able to do? Uh, maybe so. One thing you could see is that um, spacing was a priority. You know, it's what what we're always, you know, offensively, you're trying to really open that up and create space for guys to play. And, and I, I thought we did a good job with that. You know, and, and to your question, I want to say great crowd, a lot of fun, a lot of, lot of energy in that crowd tonight. Yeah, because Nick fans respect effort. Nick fans respect players on the floor diving for loose balls. Nick fans respect giving an effort defensively. And yeah, it wasn't great. Yeah, there was still some open threes. Yeah, they still had trouble figuring out what to do on the pick and roll. Yeah, they don't, they don't understand that the ball moves faster than the guy and they still try to dribble and do some things one on one. Old habits die hard. But at least, and, and this is, you talk about setting the bar low. 
at least you saw them play with some energy and some effort like they cared. And it took David Fisdale to lose his job to get that out of them. Because after back-to-back games where they were down by 40 or more points, forget about the coach. You need to look yourself in the mirror as a competitor, as a basketball player, as a man. You need to look yourself in the mirror like, really? I'm part of this? Didn't give an effort? Well, after the closed-door meeting that Marcus Morris had, here's what we know. They tried. And on this West Coast, and look, I understand about talent. I understand they don't have a lot of talent. I understand they don't have a point guard. I understand they've got too many forwards. I understand all that. Still, this is not a team that should have just four wins. This team should have had more wins than they've had. If you can be in the closing minutes of games, if you can be under 10 with a record that this team has, if you can be under 10 in the fourth quarter with five minutes to go, you should be able to pull out at least two or three of those games. Just by luck. You should be able to pull out two or three of those games. I know they don't have a point guard to tell them where they go late in the games. Got it. I know that their main guys, Morris and Randall, would really be the third, fourth, and fifth options on really good teams. And in the situation with the Pacers at the free throw line, Randall wouldn't have missed that shot on the good team because Randall would have been on the bench. I understand all that. Having said that, this is still a team that's better than four wins. Are they a great team? Absolutely not. Are they an okay team? <laughs> not right now. So will Mike Miller be able to earn the respect of this team and these players so that they try to put forth a better effort or that he puts them in a better position to try to win some games? I'm sure the front office thinks so because if this blows up, they're going to be packing their bags. This is ESPN New York Tonight. Here's Larry Hardesty. It's ESPN New York Tonight, Monday Night Edition at 1-800-919-3776. Thank you for joining us. Drive safe in that weather. It's a lot of rain. Lots of rain. Past a couple of arcs coming in tonight. People just swimming to work. It's crazy out there. So we'll get your thoughts. We're talking about a number of things on the docket this evening. We'll talk a little baseball. I can't believe it. When Tim Kirchin, and I get to the calls in a minute, talked about the new salary that Jeff, our Jeff Passan broke that Steven Strasburg got. And then when you think of what Garrett Cole is going to be asking for, I love this name. Tim Kirchin? Wow. Not a surprise at all, Tim. Um, a surprise, perhaps, that, that this was the price for Strasburg and thus the price for Garrett Cole will be even more than the even more we thought it was going to be? Yes, I think we all pretty much assumed that Strasburg was going to go back to the Nationals. At least I did. I just didn't know it was going to be for this much money. But this is what happens when you win the World Series. This is what happens when you're the World Series MVP and in that season you lead the league in innings pitch. 
This is the best he's ever been as a pitcher, and he wanted to stay there. And since he gave up free agency the first time and took it this time, I think that's why the price went up. And yes, with Garrett Cole, his price now goes up. I had it at least initially at 250 million total. Now I think we're looking at 300 million for Garrett Cole, and I'm not sure there's going to be a way around that in the end. Woo! $300 million. Million dollars. Wow. I know Hal Steinbrenner said he, he gave him permission, but wow. $300 million. You want him, Yankee fans? $300 million? By the way, remember, he doesn't come with a guaranteed World Series. <laughs> It's not like, okay, you pay $300 million over eight years and you get a guaranteed two World Series wins, championships. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. Otherwise, we refund your money. No, 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 no. That's not how it works. You're rolling the dice, baby. Rolling the dice. Rolling. Lots to talk about. Can't wait to hear what you got to say. 1-800-919-3776. Billy is in East Rockaway. Hey, Billy, you're up first on ESPN New York tonight. All right, Larry. Let's talk about it. Uh, first of all, I want to talk about LeBron. Go. Uh, I, I, I think I think he's the goat. Uh, there's no doubt about it right now. People and people people today are just not giving him the credit he deserves. Uh, this man is doing everything and then some. You're asking in his 17th year in the league. I mean, everything he's doing, top to bottom, uh, both sides of the floor. I mean, what are you going to do? I don't think there's there's anybody that comes close to him in the league right now. In the league right now, you're saying he's the great, but you say he's the greatest of all time. But he's having a great. But see, what 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 do you what do, what's your criteria for greatest of all time? Is it, it can't be championships because he doesn't have I'm as many. About when, he, when he steps foot on the court, you got Jordan on the floor, you got Kobe on the floor, you got AI on the floor. You name it, put everybody on the floor. Who is dominating that day? It is LeBron James. Well, it depends on what game you're talking about, my friend. I mean, the game today. No, it does matter. It does matter. Any error. No, 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 no. Not any error. No, 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 Billy. Not any error. Not any error. I'm telling you, there's, 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 there's errors. Larry, you can't tell me that LeBron James isn't coming down the lane on on anybody and dunking on AA. Billy, if LeBron James came down on Will Chamberlain, he not dunking on him. Since uh, we said every, you said any error, you said any error, he not coming down dunking on Will Chamberlain. He's just not doing it. So that's really? why I'm saying no. What? Are you kidding? No, he's not coming down. Will Chamberlain has the physicality to ma- had the physicality to match LeBron James. If we just talk about him coming down the lane dunking on somebody, no. Understand Larry. this, Billy. Understand this, Larry, man. This- we can agree to disagree, but understand this, my friend. This error. Where they just allow people to come down and dunk? That's not how it always was in the NBA, my friend. That's not how it always was. Now, he is a fabulous player. He is one of the greatest of all time. Personally, for me, I side with Michael Jordan, personally, because of his versatility. But I do understand that LeBron James in the game that is today is an outstanding player. Thanks for the phone call, Billy. Is an outstanding player, and he is one of the best to play ever. He's on the Mount Rushmore. There's no question. He's on the Mount Rushmore. He's there. because of, And longevity has helped him. And going to eight straight finals has helped him. But what hurts him is the fact that he came away 
empty on a couple of occasions and one by his own fault. So that's what hurts him. But he's a great player. There's no question he's great. But when we say all time, look now, we <laughs> there's a lot of great players. So when we say all time, you you got to be very careful. Johnson Freehold, hey, John, you're next on 9870 ESPN. Hey, Larry, how you doing? I'm doing great, John, long time. Yeah, yeah, let's get into some Knicks, can oh, we? Yes. All right, I want to go back and talk head coach first and then go broader picture as far as where we go forward from here. Mm-hmm. Um, you and I had a conversation back when they were deciding what coach they were going to select, and I told you at that point in time Mark Jackson was my choice because I believe Mark Jackson had the attention and respect of the players. He had them working hard, playing defense, and he had a proven track record of success in developing players where he got Curry, he got Thompson, he got Green, you know, all in the early stages of their career. They had a whole lot of respect for him. They listened to him, and he developed them the right way and, and, and built them up. And that's what the Knicks needed going forward in a rebuilding situation. We, we were sold a bill of goods with David Fisdale, that he was a, a recruiter and he was a, a player development guy, and those were his strengths, and that's what he was going to bring to the party with the Knicks. Mm-hmm. And, and none of that uh, proved to be true in, in the end when it was all said and done when he was fired last week. You know, uh, David Fisdale, to me, he, he just came up short. I mean, let's face it, Larry, they didn't play hard, they didn't defend, and they didn't develop. I mean, those are major, you know, uh, shortcomings in a head coach. That's what he was paid a lot of money for, and that's what he was brought here to do, and it just didn't happen. He didn't unlock uh, Knox. He, he didn't develop Nilakina's offensive game. Same for Dennis Smith Jr. This team has been horrific consistently throughout the year from the free throw line. Uh, you just uh, the, But where he really lost me, Larry, and I told this to, to Alan, is when he tried to make R.J. Barrett in his rookie season a point guard. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when that move was made, I just shook my head, I rolled my eyes, and I said, what is this man doing? What is he thinking? Putting this kind of pressure on a rookie uh, kid coming in out of college and putting him in a position where he never played before. It was very obvious if you watched R.J. Barrett's collegiate career. He's not a, he wasn't a point guard, and he just doesn't have the tools to be a point guard. And now, now where I, I want to go forward here, I, I would still bring Mark Jackson in. That's the new move I would make. However, I wouldn't do it now. I'd do it, you know, when the season concludes. Yep. And I'd get rid of the entire hierarchy. You know, Steve Mills has had enough shots at the can here, and, and he's failed miserably. And you talk about, I know Alan mentioned, uh, you know, DeMar DeRozan. Too old, too much money at this point, and I'm not giving up assets to bring him in. It's foolhardy. It doesn't make sense for where this team needs to go. And you, he also mentioned D'Angelo Russell, who I don't like, just like I don't like Kyrie for the same reason. He's a ball-dominant guard that I, I just don't see winning play from. You've you got to develop it and build it right through the draft, Larry. I've been saying this forever, but the whole thing is you've got to bring the right coach. That would be Mark Jackson and the supporting cast as well as far as scouts and, and coaches that have a proven track record of success in developing these guys on, you know, having the key to unlock what they need to unlock to get these guys going. And I, I believe in Kevin Knox. I think Kevin Knox has a whole lot of God-given ability. I think he just needs to toughen himself up, and he needs better coaching at this point. I would show him that video over and over and over again from the preseason on that one isolated play when uh, the kid out of Duke, uh, number one pick overall. Zion Williamson? Dion Williamson mm-hmm. ripped the ball out of his hands and dropped him to the floor. If I'm a coach, I'm showing that video every single day of the week, and I'm reminding him, you know, what you need to do 
to be, you know, a standout performer in this league and, and what you got to do to get better. We obviously know he's gifted offensively. He's got the God-given ability with his height and, and, and his built. He's just got to, you know, get the right mental makeup going. He's got, and he's got to defend better. I mean, and, and the other thing, John, the he's, basket. and the other thing, John, that he's got to do, and thanks for the phone call. Good hearing from you again. He's got, he's got to be more consistent with his effort. This kid, you know, when he was in college, people talked about his slow motor. Listen, you you can afford to have a slow motor in college. You can't afford to have a slow motor in the NBA. You can't. You've got to be able, especially as a rookie, second year player. You've got to you've got to give it your all every night. And he needs to improve. There's no question about it. Defensively, he is he is so lost. It's incredible. He is lost, lost. And and it's the fundamentals that he he always gets beat at the baseline. He always gives up the baseline. Always. He never is over there in time to force the guy, force the player towards the middle, towards the paint. He always gives up the baseline. And and then he's or he's running out late and he's fouling somebody after they hit a three on the baseline. Everybody takes him to the baseline. And then either they go baseline to the basket and he fouls them from behind or uh, Mitchell Robinson's got to come over and try to help him. Never, never does he get over there in time and force them back. Yeah, they need to watch that video too. And he needs to, he needs to have the same passion that he has for scoring for some defense. And I know he's young and I know that these, you know, defense is not, defense is not sexy. Defense is not, you know, fabulous. They don't show highlights on, on Sports Center when you play great defense. Sometimes they do because it leads to fast break dunks the other way. So sometimes they do show it. And yeah, you're right about what they need to do as far as I wanted Mark Jackson too. So we're on the same page with that. And the draft. Yeah, it would help. But I, but I need to make sure that I got the right people choosing who's coming on this team. That's going to be my concern. Who's making that choice? Because they've, they've made some draft choices and all of them have not been great. And it's, look, I understand it's a roll of the dice. I understand that some, some players are great. Some players are system players. They're great in the system and you bring them out of that system and you may not have the, the, the talent on your roster to help them out. Because remember, these players are going to the, the higher the draft choice, the worse the team is in the NBA they're going to. Best players go to the worst teams. That's why they try to do this, you know, draft lottery and ping pong balls and flip it upside down and all this other stuff. Yeah. Okay. Right. I'll play along with you. But the bottom line here is still the lousy teams are going to get the best players. And guess what? The best players don't always have the best uh, supporting cast to work with because the team is bad. If the team wasn't bad, they wouldn't be in the draft lottery. This is ESPN New York Tonight. Monday night edition of ESPN New York Tonight. We thank you for joining us at 1-800-919-3776. We've been talking a lot this evening. Talking a little Knicks, little Giants, little Jets, little James Dolan. And guess what? We're going to be talking college football at the bottom of the hour when Trevor Scales joins us here at 1-800-919-3776. Boy, the Giants defense holding on. They're holding on. Oh. 
You know what? This <laughs> as a Giant fan, you got to be like, can you? Can this cornerback secondary cover anybody without getting in their way? I mean, he's grabbing, he's holding, he's putting his hands out. I didn't touch him. Not now, but if, if two seconds ago you could, you weren't able to hold both your hands up in the air because you had them wrapped around the receiver. <sighs> but they still have the lead. 17-10, 3.39 left in the fourth. We'll keep an eye on it for you. Let's go back to the phones. 1-800-919-3776. Mike is in Queens. He's next on 98.7. What's up, Mike? Good evening, Larry. How are you? I'm all right, Mike. Go Islanders. Yes, a lightning warning has been issued for the Tampa Bay area. Uh, stay indoors, Tampa Bay. But uh, if before I get to the uh, Giants, you talk, Nick, I have to say something. Like I told you last night, it's good to hear other Nick fans say Steve Mills has to go. I've been saying that for years. It's good that other Nick fans have realized Steve Mills has to go. And, Larry, just for more stupidity and more comedy, when they fired Phil Jackson, they promoted Steve Mills. Remember, Larry? Phil's the yep. president. They fire Phil and they promote Steve Mills. Larry, why did do we know why they promoted Steve Mills? I mean, the team is bad, and I get, and I know it's Phil to blame, but you promote Steve Mills. I mean, Larry, what other job do you fail and you get promoted? It's just uh, <laughs> it's it, a good it, question. It's amazing. But for the Yankees, do you pay Derek Cole, uh, Larry? If you're the Yankees, you look at your division. Boston is going to be rebuilding. Uh, they traded, traded their prospects for a couple of titles. They're building. Houston, if, if, if Larry, if you, Houston, if Houston loses Cole next year and they meet in the playoffs, wouldn't you? The Yankees should win. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's going to cost them money. But Larry, for years it's been under the salary cap. For years it's been watching their money. Larry, they have to. I know it's the sons, and then they're not as like the father. But Larry. Mm-hmm. They're going to have to one day become the Yankees again. They're going to have to one day just go back to spending money. I mean, it can't continue. I mean, yeah, they'll still, I mean, not not go crazy, but they're going to eventually have to go back and break out and pay somebody and learn why not Garrett Cole? Because if you sign him, yeah, it's a lot of money, but you look around the league, I mean, Washington, they, the Yankees could win back to back because the, what what do they need, Larry? Starting pitching and the last thing analytics say it's all about relievers, Larry. It's a trend. It's a cycle. Mm-hmm. Guess what? In two three years, it's going to be back to like it used to be. All about starting pitching is going to break. They'll realize they're wrong. So starting pitching is going to be the key once again. So why not get the best guy in the game? Take advantage of, of, of a weak Boston team. You and, and you deplete Houston. You kill two birds with one stone. It's to me, it, it's easy. But that's just me. I hear you, Mike. And the other thing, too, is uh, the Yankees have some money coming off the books. Tanaka's going to come off next year. There's a couple of other players that are coming off next year. Sabathia came off this year, obviously, with the retirement. So they will be able to to get some some relief monetarily. That's A. B, if you're a Yankee fan and you know that you've got, okay, now going after at the start of next season, what, you got seven more years, eight, eight more years of Giancarlo Stanton at big money? And he's really not helped you in the postseason at all. So you're thinking, okay, we can afford him, but we can't afford Garrett Cole? Really? 
I understand what you're thinking. Trey's in Brooklyn, Texas. He's next on 9870 ESPN. What's going on, Larry? How are you? What's up, partner? I'm doing good, man. Man, you've had an all-star show tonight, man. Can I give you my five real quick? Can I give you, can I give you a quick five? Yeah, go. Uncle Spike is my starting point guard. Okay. Richard from Manhattan is my two guard. Mm-hmm. I'm going I'm I'm to put you at the three. Okay. I need you to bang down low, Larry. Then I should be at the phone. No, no, no. I'm going to put you at the three. I'm going to mess people up. We're going to do you like Bernard King. You know what I'm saying? I need you to take people off the dribble. I need you to be, you know, tenacious. Okay. John from Freehold and 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 Brother Bill Daughtry. Mr. Daughtry. That Mr. Daughtry. Mr. Daughtry. Mr. Daughtry. The, the, the boss. Yes. The boss. Okay. Just, just I had to say that because this will be a great show tonight, Larry. Great Thank show. you. I appreciate you. Um, I had help, though. Holly, Holly Joel, and Nikki. I had help. Stop, man. Please. Come I had on, help. The All-Star all squad. You had David Ruffin playing, right? Yes, Last indeed. Okay, okay, that wasn't David Ruffin. You lied to your audience. you know who that was? Who's that? You know who that was? Who that? That was Steve Mills pleading for his damn job. <laughs> oh, God. That was Steve Mills pleading for I know you want to leave me. <laughs> and he refuses to let us go. Larry, when is this man going to leave? Clean out your office. You're horrible at your job. I'm not going to ask you. I'm afraid to ask you who was singing backup. Scott Perry, who else? Man. I'm afraid to ask you <laughs> Larry, I can't do this no more with this man. He is is he infallible, Larry? Are we not going to hold him accountable? Why would he get to keep choosing people to work with, and he can't work? He doesn't know what he's doing. What team has this man put together, Larry? What team has this man constructed? The man's been here since Moses wore short pants, Larry. He got to go. Yeah, he gotta go, Larry. It, this it, is ridiculous. It's tough, but I just think that he's a guy that James Dolan is comfortable with, and and I haven't met James Dolan. I haven't really had a chance to speak with him a lot, but I know Michael has. Well, aren't you blessed? And and Michael says that you know it's it's about it's about him feeling comfortable with the people he speaks with. Oh my God, yeah, he Would works with. So, but now, but I will say this, Trey, I will say this. I think now in this scenario where, see, before Mills was president of the Garden, then he, when he, when he came back, he was the assistant to Phil Jackson. And then when Phil left, you know, Dolan's like, okay, I'll give you a shot. I'll move you up into the, into the the big seat, the big chair. We've been taking you from the kitty chair at the the Thanksgiving day table, which is the big table. All right. And he hasn't done it. So now, I mean, he's not, as much as we think that he doesn't care and he's not great and all this other stuff, he's he's obviously in business, and he knows that. I mean, they gave the the, the viewership for the Nick game the past couple of weeks, past couple of games. It's low, low, low. So he's he, he wants his he wants his 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 cable network to continue to roll. So he's going to make changes eventually. It's just a matter of who's going to be next. That's going to be the question. And this Masai Ujiri thing is pie in the sky. We can't, we can't keep doing this. He doesn't even like the Knicks. He's a, he's why not? A, the, why, why shouldn't he like the Knicks? The Knicks are the reason he's so good. 
It's the trades he's made with the Knicks. Yeah, man, Barney. Barney. No, 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 no. Now I'm going to be you. Don't start. I ain't gonna say. I ain't gonna I'm going to be you now, Trey. Don't start. You're going to make me hit hit the good stuff. Oh don't start. Right, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. We do but he's the, the Knicks are the reason why he's been so successful. Fleece, right. Fleecing yeah. them. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I got a quick Yankee point real Go. quick. If they don't back that damn truck up and Uh-oh. get that man $300 million, Uh-oh. you hear me? Uh-oh. And you know what? And you know what? 310. Keep the change. 310? I don't care, Larry. It don't matter. It don't matter. <laughs> Give them the money. It doesn't matter. Just get it out the way because this attachment, white whale, just like man, I love when Michael Kate does that. Yeah. This is it. He is he gotta go get this. Yeah. And, and there's no and there's no sleep till Brooklyn. He got to go get this done. Ain't no playing. Back that truck up, Strasburg got paid, he said the mark, go give that man three hundred and ten million dollars. Mm. Make now, sure he don't go nowhere else. Care. Larry, we yep. got to get Larry open up that damn wallet. Stop being cheap. Let's go. And like I said, if we got to send Diddy's plane to go get him, let him make it happen. <laughs> All right, Trey. Thanks for the phone call. This is ESPN New York tonight. Back to school. He was wearing my Harvard tie. Can you believe it? My Harvard tie. Like, oh sure, he went to Harvard. What's your assignment? Kill the quarterback. You drop a pass, you run a mile. You miss a blocking assignment, you run a mile. You fumble the football, and I will break my foot off in your John Brown hind parts. And then you will run a mile. It's time to go back to school with Trevor Scales on ESPN New York Tonight. Special edition of Back to School with Trevor Scales here on 98.7 ESPN. He is, of course... The former outstanding tailback for the Atlanta Falcons. He is currently, when he's not making commercials for the mothership of ESPN, he is hosting the college football show from 7 to 8 on Saturdays that you can watch on Twitter and YouTube Live and, of course, the ESPN app. He is the pride of the Ivy League. He is Trevor Scales. (laughs) Just trying to keep up with you, Larry. How you doing, man? I read it just the way you wrote it. I understand that, man. I understand it. Trevor, good to talk to you, my friend. Likewise, it's been quite some time. It has been. It has been. Trevor, what in the name of college football is going on? Alabama not in the championship game? What? What? If you look at it, man, it just makes sense, right? Given the performances that we saw from Alabama, obviously you incorporate the fact that Tua has been out with the, the hip injury and everything like that. Given how Mac Jones stepped in and was unable to perform well against Auburn, they take that second loss on the season. That effectively ended their playoff hopes. And frankly, we weren't seeing the same dominance from Bama that we had seen in years past. So I'm okay with it. I actually love the Final Four that we wound up, and especially the order in which they were ranked. I think it was all making sense given the results of the season up to this point. All right, Trevor, is Clemson really number three? Shouldn't it be two? Ah, see, that's where we get into the question of who's the best right now versus who has been the best over the course of the season, who has the best resume. We talk about it all the time with regards to whether or not the team is the most deserving versus who is the best and how we kind of slate the teams according to those two sets of rubrics. I think Clemson at this point is playing the best football, I think, out of just about anybody in college football. But as far as being the most deserving of that number one spot, and I'm not going to lie to you, I'm being a company man right now, watching this Monday night football game. <laughs> Eagles is walking off on this thing. It's pretty impressive. Oh, we'll no. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Yeah, we but can. In any case, <laughs> I, just, I, I just lost one of my producers. She's down. Oh, no, Producer no, down. Producer down. Producer down. <laughs> 
intention. I no, she saw it. She saw it as soon as you said it. Producer down. All right, go I ahead. Get the play by play in that regard. But I, I think we do have everything slated correctly with regards to how everybody uh, deserved their rank. Clemson hadn't played anybody over the course of the season. It's not their fault. The ACC as, as a whole is just weak, and so for that reason. They don't have any quality wins to set them in the same ranks as Ohio State, as LSU. I'm fine with them being in the three slot. I just feel bad for Ohio State having to walk into that gauntlet that is the Clemson football team for their opening round matchup. Are they Ohio State better than LSU? They have a case to make with regards to being the more complete team. You look at that roster, they have two to three Heisman candidates, two Heisman finalists confirmed, right? The J.K. Dobbins, Chase Young, and Justin Fields all are worthy of being in that conversation courtesy of the video game numbers that they put up. And then you look at the offense and defenses uh, for each of those respective rosters as a whole, and I'd certainly slide the edge to Ohio State with regards to the defense, uh, the defensive side of the ball, where I think LSU has kind of gotten the leg up is the level of wins that they've racked up courtesy of the rankings playing out the way that they did. A, number, a win over number four in the nation on the very last week of open competition boosts your resume just enough, and a dominating win at that boosts your resume just enough to kind of slide you into that one slot. Trevor Scales talking a little college football with us here on ESPN New York tonight. Trevor, are we going to see, because there's been a lot of conversation, are we going to see eight team an eight-team playoff in the near future? I just don't think it's necessary. Okay. I can see us going to that format, uh, absolutely, because who wouldn't want more money? <laughs> Grand Doctor said the players would want more money, but we ain't got to get into that discussion. We can leave that alone for right now. Well, maybe they, they get more money if they have their likeness, Trevor. If they get their likeness squared away, that would help. That would be something. If we could at least capitalize on that, that's a start, to say the least. But all of that is the same, man. Look, like that's certainly going to be a cash incentive associated with an 18 playoff. But when we get into the weeds of how we would slate this 18 playoff, right? If you go the classic model of what folks are saying, Power Five automatically. Uh, their conference champions get a bit. So we're looking at Oklahoma, at Clemson, at Ohio State, uh, and LSU. Those are all locked up. The other one uh, remaining would be Oregon, and I'm here for that. But what do you do with those two at-large bids? I think we saw such a huge drop-off from three down to that four and whomever else you want to loop into this conversation that it's almost hard to justify who else you're going to put in because I'm not sold on the two-loss Georgia team, frankly. I'm not Mm. sold – on two loss Alabama, given their last performance that we saw. I'm certainly not sold on Baylor getting beat by the team that's sitting in front of them in the playoff either. So what are we going to do with those last two playoff spots is what I'm curious to see, especially with an at-large bid situation. Uh, obviously, you can even associate with a group of five opponent, Memphis getting in there as well. But I just don't think it's necessary. I think we've gotten the four best teams. We've gotten the highest level of competition that we could possibly get out of college football, given the hundreds of teams that are involved in it. And I'm cool with kind of staying here for a while as we figure it out. Who's going to win the Heisman, Trevor? Oh, Joe Burrow, man. Come on now. You and I both know who's I'm just checking, you know. Man, a quarterback it. again? Come on. Another quarterback? <laughs> it, it is tough. And I think Chase Young would have had something to say about it if he didn't have that two-game hiatus mm-hmm. and he kept that productivity stride. Not to say that after those two, two games off, he did end up breaking the single-season sack record for Ohio State. There was still going to be like a storyline associated with him in a negative sense. Uh, Jalen Hurts certainly had something to say, but again, video game numbers, the, the amount of productivity and uh, standout nature that he that Joe Burrow created that offense to be at LSU, 
there was nobody that was, that was going to match up, especially with their ranking in the top spot in all of college football. Um, what has surprised you about this season up to this point, Trevor? What has surprised me? I think we've had a lot of discussions surrounding that four slot, and nobody really stepped up to the plate. We've always had this problem of we have five teams that are deserving of getting in. we got to chop one off. In this season, we only had three teams that we were all sold on need to be in this year's playoff. Figuring out that fourth team was much more mature than it ever has been, and it was because nobody really jumped out to anybody as the overall, uh, without question, uh, unequivocal, to use the term from uh, the college football playoff committee, in that fourth team slot. And I, I think that that was something that I found interesting. And it kind of opens the door of this discussion of what we could inevitably have about a two-loss team kind of sneaking into this bad boy, depending on how the circumstances play out. Uh, Trevor, does the injury and this season hurt Tua as far as his draft position is going to go? Hmm. What's your best guess? is the short answer, right? I think if you were to step out into the draft, he would not be drafted as high as he would have had he not hurt his hip. I think what he's shown in the interview that he had with Kirk Herbstreet and just from the press companies that you're hearing from released about his thought thought process about this is so insightful in that he fully recognizes the fact that he's leaving millions on the table if he goes out this year, right? Mm -hmm. Like he goes from being drafted within the top five as a guarantee to kind of uh, back into the first round, which obviously if we're talking about dollars and cents, you would die, right? Like, I'd be willing to sacrifice a couple meals and try to get this thing going. That's whatever. But to him, he has, like, this perspective, and rightfully so, of, you know, I could actually jump into the top of this draft and really be uh, better offset uh, right the moment I walk into this league. And so, like, he's kind of battling and wrestling with that, and it's understandable. Um, I wouldn't want him to risk another season of playing for free right. without kind of making sure that he's set going forward. Uh, but he understands that he has probably the best medical situation that he'll have for the remainder of his career football-wise because of just the willingness that they have to, without question, make sure that he's ready to go versus you being much more of a business commodity at the professional level um, and him wanting to take full advantage of those resources and come back to, and and potentially raise his draft stock. There's a risk associated with it, and he understands that. Uh, and I think he just has a really impress- impressive perspective of it all. All right, Trevor, you wanted to comment on the uh, Giants and Eagles game that was on uh, ESPN. Man, man. Well, I tell you what, some fresh legs will do for Eli Manning, don't it? Yeah. Like, it's just impressive to see, like, when he's taking that break off from game from week one and had to just kind of watch from the sideline, he was out there willing to chuck the ball any and everywhere across that field. And that was something that you wanted to see. If there's nothing to lose in this season, why not go out, you know, guns and blades, right? And that's exactly what he did. He came out firing. I was able to spread the ball around field and gave people something to reminisce about about as far as the old days of Giants pass, Eli Manning pass. Uh, but that Eagles team really just has a whole lot of deficiencies that need to they be addressed. Do. And it's frankly just indicative of the entire state of the NSC East. It's just not a great conference to be a part of this season, and it hasn't been for quite some time. As a former NFL veteran, Trevor, how tough is it in that giant locker room? They haven't won since September. Mm. Trevor, mm. the end of yeah. September. I mean, take us in that locker room. What is that like? I think, you know, it's, it's also, too, understanding that what your organization kind of built it up to be was, no, we're actually in a win-now mode. And, and it feels like 
Pat Shermer and them really got caught in an in-between space where they didn't mm. necessarily have the pieces to truly contribute uh, and make a postseason run. But they were in this mindset of, no, we're, we're clearing the deck and we're kind of – it was caught between clearing the deck and resetting the organization and, no, we're pushing for this right now because we know we have a superstar at a running back position that is, you know, whose window of productivity is tight just by the nature of the position. Um, and, and they're this, just caught in this space in which they don't really know what to do, and it didn't pan out. Unfortunately, Daniel Jones had a great start to his career as a New York Giant, but has since fallen off, right? Yeah. And now they're in this purgatory once again of trying to figure out what the lane that they're going to be in as an organization going forward. He is the host of the College Football Show, 78 on Saturdays. You can watch it on Twitter, YouTube Live, and, of course, the ESPN app. He is Trevor Scales. Trevor, thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you down the line. Appreciate y'all as always, man. All right, my friend. You too. You're listening to the ESPN New York Tonight podcast with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN.